Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited to have my guest today in Sarah Uran, uh, founder of the APC Agency. And we'll get into a little bit about what that is, but also kind of what uh, Sarah does on a day-to-day basis, uh, jack of all trades, and kind of in a space that's a little bit uh, different than most in terms of the front office, but dealing with plenty of executives, athletes, entrepreneurs. Uh, So Sarah, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So talk a little bit about kind of just where your idea came from of helping athletes, entrepreneurs, executives with their lifestyle uh, management and and just kind of everything in between. You're not an agent per se, right? Nope. We, we nope. want to make sure we we get that out in the, in the clear. Um, <laughs> Clarify it so no agents are upset. No agents. Um, no agents. But what do you, but what do you do? Like, what do you actually do? So, I mean, you know, to simplify it, um, I'm basically a personal assistant, right? Like an on-call personal assistant. Um, so, you know, it's a lot less glamorous when you post pose it that way. Um, everyone's like, Oh, you're the concierge. Like, da, da, da. it's like, no, I'm just, I'm just an assistant to these guys, which just entails so many different things. And kind of, um, you know, it's like anything related to their contract is like, not where I play. That's like just completely not what we, what we go for sports marketing. Don't do it. Um, it's everything else. So it's like, you know, you get guys who have just these busy schedules. They've got families, they've got marketing deals, they've got, you know, photo shoots and, and they've got other businesses and they've got all these things. And so we can kind of like CEO their life and say, okay, we're going to track your schedule. We're going to help you just manage everything day-to-day that you've got going on that's essentially off the field, off the ice, off the court, like whatever it may be. Um, And that's kind of how we position ourselves because professional athletes just have, and I I focus on the athletes, like we work with entrepreneurs and they're, they're just all so similar, but it's, their lives are so busy. And so they are constantly in this influx of saying, yes, like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then nobody knows they're doing it in the next 20 minutes later, you're like, Oh, you have an event booked. And they're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Like I got to say no now. And so what we do is we just aim to take that and like simplify it so much. It's like, Hey, here's where you're going to be today. Here's what you're doing today. Um, blah, 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 blah down the road, but it's everything from booking travel to finding them places to live, managing their homes. So a lot of these athletes own homes in their hometowns or home cities. And then they go on the road to go live for a season come back. We do all of that. I mean, it's, it's just, it's nonstop. And I can tell you from the beginning, I knew nothing about anything. <laughs> so to, needless to say, your life is also very busy. Uh, if, if theirs is, and you know, you're helping manage it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nonstop, right? You, you have this, you have this vision in your head of like, okay, at nine o'clock, I'm gonna like turn off my phone. And then at nine Oh one, somebody calls with some like dire emergency of something didn't show up or they need to get somewhere or whatnot. And you're like, why, why, why? I just want to, I just want to chill out for like an hour. 
So how do you manage your own schedule at now, now that you manage others, right? And, and you've kind of learned how to best effectively help them. How do you manage your own as you're managing, you know, multiple people's calendar schedules, events, et cetera? I mean, you just like say a prayer and hope that it, hope that you've got it under control. <laughs> um, it's hard. I mean, honestly, it's far harder to manage my life than it is to manage theirs. Like their stuff, it's like, I've got it programmed in my head. I know where they need to be. I need, I know who needs to be at their house. I know what needs to happen today. And like, I could tell you, you know, down to the minute today where everybody's going to be. But then I look at my own life and I'm like, oh yeah. Oh wait, there's a guy coming to look at the fireplace tomorrow. Okay. That's cool. I don't even know what time they called me today to remind me. And I was like, Oh yeah, I knew you were coming on Wednesday. I just had no clue when. And the girl was like, yeah, eight o'clock. Oh, cool. Oh, I was like, make, I think I'll be here. Yeah. Make, <laughs> make sure you're there. Make sure you're there. When, <laughs> um, when you, when you think about the difference you mentioned earlier, the difference between sports and, you know, athletes and entrepreneurs, and then even executives, like what's the common theme? You mentioned there's a lot more similarities than you would think. I mean, the common theme is really like the, you've never met more ambitious people in your life, right? Like they are, they are a very small percentage of the population in, and very small percentage based on the fact that they excel at something so much, so much differently than other people. And, and you're like, you know, there, there are people who are like great runners and then there are like professional soccer players, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's like the differentiation is like significant and entrepreneurs are the same way. Like there's a, there's a drive and there's a motivation that like, you just don't see in every, in everyone. Um, there's this commitment, there's this, this innate instinct to like, to learn, to grow, to be better, to build, to constantly evolve what they're doing. And I feel like athletes and entrepreneurs have these personalities that are very similar, which is like, they're addicted to success and they're committed to success. And, you know, it's, it's just different. They, the, the, the other similarity with both of them is their lives are both chaotic. Um, there's just a lot of people that need a lot of different things. And so you've got to find a way to keep everything organized and they kind of run in the same lifestyle. They're constantly, if you think about it, entrepreneurs are we always talk about, we always talk about how athletes, like they get trapped because they're always saying yes to this person. Yes to that. Yes to this event. Yes to that event. Um, entrepreneurs are the same because you're, you're, you're always trying to build and be better. So if somebody approaches you and says like, Hey, I want you to do like, I'd love for you to come and speak at this event. You're like, yes. Cause it's an opportunity to get in front of a new audience. And but at the same you time, never know, you never know what leads to what. Right. And so they're just right. to say yes. So, so it's like, there are these, one of the biggest things that I've found with them is like, all of them have this inability to say no. And so they're always looking for that person of like, who can kind of like guide me in that right direction to be like, okay, yes to this, but like, mm, that might not be worth, worth your while kind of thing. And it's, it's different, but it's a, it's a personality thing. I mean, you think about what professional, I mean, you, you work around professional athletes, like there's just a different mindset that they have than an average person. Like, you know, it's one thing to play sports growing up, it's another thing to do it for, for a living. Right. And when you think about the window of time that they have too, right. An entrepreneur, a little bit different, right. Where to your point, they're just continuously looking for the next thing to build upon, to build upon, you know, to do the next thing. And then the athletes got their window of time that they know their career is going to exist in. And then 
they're 99% of the time, they're not thinking about what's after that, right? Because they're trying right. to be in the moment and maximize it. Um, there, so with those differences, right? You know, where do you see um, the, the maximization of, you know, kind of each day as opposed to this different outlook? Yeah, it's just, it's like, think about this, right? Put it into perspective. And, and this is just something that's been <clears throat> kind of a hot topic button in the last couple of years, but look at all of the professional athletes that are investing in like in major league soccer teams, um, right? Like they're not doing that to be an athlete. They're doing that to be an entrepreneur. They're doing that to kind of build business credibility and learn and educate. And so the lifespans for these athletes is so much shorter, but they're acknowledging that now it's kind of interesting that they've started to develop like this sense of truly my career isn't going to last forever. And so now they're going down this path of athletes wanting to be entrepreneurs, athletes wanting to be executives, athletes wanting to know what that next step is going to be because there's such a heightened awareness of it. And, and it's cool because like, it's always been one of the things that I wanted to do, which is creating this network of athletes and, and executives, entrepreneurs, because there's a value in education. And I believe strongly that in, in the athlete education, which is, you know, a huge part of what I do is like, not only do what I need to do for them, but educate them as we go on why this is a good decision, why this isn't a good decision, why you need to focus on this, why you shouldn't focus on this. And all of that like comes over time and over relationships but the ability to connect them with these entrepreneurs who have done really incredible, successful things opens the door post-career for them, which I think is super important. Well, it's funny because like most executives or most entrepreneurs want to be the athletes, right? Totally. totally. <laughs> and then the athletes want to be them, right? So it's, you can never, you know, um, it, it's interesting just kind of how the the ones who are successful always want to also be something else too right always always just, just because and like it's that mindset like you mentioned um but the education piece talking about you know what you were just mentioning you've kind of got this best practice landscape to some extent right of, of you're working with different athletes and different sports and different you know entrepreneurs executives different fields to where how do you how do you apply that uh, to not only yourself where you're currently or you're constantly, you know, continuously learning, right. And, and that, that doesn't stop. And there's always probably new things that you pick up along the way. Uh, but then also, you know, how do you give that to uh, a future, you know, customer in a sense? I, mean, it's, I, I think the interesting thing for me is that every single day is so different. Everything, every single opportunity is so different. You get these you can like there's never one day is never the same like there's there's always like a challenge that appears even in the most simple situations and it's how do you do it how do you um how do you learn from that situation how do you build on to the next one and how do you make sure that if it's a frustration like that it doesn't happen again and what do you learn from it and like for me I've always been a sponge of information and so that's why like I a career like this isn't really thoroughly surprising because I literally love to learn. And so for me, one of the biggest things in the last like five years has been, I've read the CBAs for every single league. So I know the ins and outs. Like I know what, what players are entitled to. I know what players are 
you know, kind of where there's like vague language where you can kind of push things and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting because one of the biggest ways that I use it is relocation, which is super, super simple surface level. But when you start to get into the nitty gritty, like there are teams that are like, oh no, we don't, we don't cover that. And it's like, oh, actually, so on page 10 of the CBA, it's like, but it's great because it's like, you learn, like you're constantly learning and there's stuff with the CBA. That's amazing to me. Like some of the agents that I've worked with in the past, um, you know, it's stuff that I don't understand. They give me like a, a, the, the 50 foot picture of what it actually means and what they're trying to communicate, even though it's in a language you're like, wait, what, what is, what are they talking about? But it's cool because it gives players this, this safe zone of they're like, Oh, she knows what she's talking about. Like, she's going to get me what I need, um, from the team, from the league, whatever it is. And then it also in turn educates them on what they're entitled to. It's not just me behind the scenes pulling strings. It's me going, Hey, listen, this is what you're entitled to. Here's what I'm going to present to the team. If you get pushback, here's what it, here's what it actually says. And so it's little things like that, where I'm like, I kind of went on down a weird path, but like, it's little things like that, where I'm like, this is how you educate as you go. And then what it does is it makes them heightened aware that if they don't understand something like their own CBA, they might be missing out on an opportunity every time they talk to the team. And so it's all these like interesting things, which um, I think it's just, everything is a learning experience and, and everything is, Every, every single scenario and situation has an opportunity to gain and learn something. But I would say that for me personally, I learn something new every single day. I can imagine. And, and it's interesting, the, uh, the jack of all trades versus master of none, it's, it's a fun topic to debate, right? Of, you know, the athlete in theory is a master of their craft, right? Not a jack of all trades in a sense. Um, yep. And then, you know, for someone like yourself, how did you get into this field? We'll call it. Uh, and, and how did you get into what you're doing? And did you have the jack of all trades mindset along the way? I mean, I had always, uh, for me, it was always, um, I kind of got thrown into situations and I just was like, okay, figure your way out of it. I mean, I started my first business when I was 11 years old and I was dog walking and dog sitting. And, uh, you know, I was taking care of the dogs down the street from us. And I like, that was just, uh, I mean, I did it and I loved it and I, you know, built the business out of it and I knew what I was doing. And then, you know, I started working in a, a bike shop when I was 14 years old and, um, I knew nothing about bikes. And all of a sudden I was like, every single day I was learning something different about them. And I did that job until I graduated from college every summer. And, Um, and you know, and then I was in college and I was doing tutoring and I was like, anytime there was a job that opened up, I was like, oh, I could do that job. Like, all right, cool. I'll try it and see what it's like. And so you're constantly like evolving. But to me, it was, I was working in New York and I was working in advertising, um, in the fashion space. And I was working with some super high profile A-list talent. And I just realized like, there was this, there was a, like a, there was a, a wall between everybody and them. And it was like, to me, I was like, I don't really understand why this exists or why they're so like separated off. And I realized it's just like, people can't talk to them. Like they just don't know how to communicate with people of this profile that they think are so different and so elite to everybody else where the reality is they're just looking for people to help them and like be normal. And 
So I was doing that for a while. And then I left that job with no, no plans to do anything next. I was just like, I just want to take a few months and figure out what I want to do. I didn't want to be in New York anymore. And I knew that. And so I went and I bartended and I met a bunch of people that I'd known for, or I met a bunch of people, but I'd been around the people I was working with for a really long time. And, um, and somebody was like, why don't you just start a concierge business for high net worth people? And I was like, all right, cool. Like I could do that. Like book travel and kind of like be like a travel agent more than anything and plan trips and, you know, like hotels and restaurants and kind of grow their experiences. Like when they travel to these like unique places that they don't know a lot about. And so that's how I started. But my first client was an ESPN broadcaster. And after that, it was like sports, 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 then athlete, athlete, athlete. And I was like, all right, cool. Like it's a different world. And I love, I loved it. I mean, I grew up around sports. So for me, it was easy, but, um, it was just, it was kind of like finding my way. Cause again, like my only plan when I started was to book travel and just be a part of booking their travel experiences, something super, super transactional. And then all of a sudden I started to realize like they were gravitating towards me and like more of the intimacy of like, not be my friend, but kind of like be my friend because most people around me aren't really authentic. People just like to work with people they like. Right. So that's right. Part of it. Um, and then as you're building your own business, what have you been able to take from the entrepreneurs you've worked with to kind of put back into your own uh, company and kind of where you're going? I think one of the biggest challenges for me, and I know people like kind of, I don't want to say belittle it, but they kind of laugh about it when I tell them this. But um, the truth of the matter is like one of the hardest things that I had when I started was asking people for, for money, like asking people to pay me for what I was doing. Because it was like, I, I felt like almost grateful that they were even taking the time to talk to me and engage with me and let me do what I was doing. That I was so, I was so like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. Like, I, like just send me other clients or like whatever. And you start to realize like, okay, wait, hold on. I got like, <laughs> I still got to pay bills. And, you know, I'm like doing every job on the side in order to get my business off the ground. And, and yet I'm like not making any money. And so one of the entrepreneurs who's one of my mentors to this day is, um, he's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean you're not charging people? He was like, what are you, what are you stupid? And I was like, we're just, I was like, I'm just trying to build relationships and like, cause relationships to me are the most important thing. And like, but if you're not getting paid for these relationships, you're literally not doing anything. Right. So that was the hardest thing for me, which is the understanding that when people aren't having a transaction with you, they're disregarding what you're doing essentially. And so like he had said to me, even if you charge them a minimal amount of like a dollar, he's like, at least they've got skin in the game and there's a transaction happening. He's like, but every time you give something for free, your worth is zero. And he was like, and then you establish with them that your worth is absolutely zero. And I was like, okay, well, um, what do I do? And so he helped me set that up. And that was honestly, like, I know it sounds super basic, but it was one of the harder things for me. And so it was like, okay, here's a contract and here's a credit card authorization form. And without these two things, I'm not doing any work for you. And it was like, every single person was like, okay, like every, everyone sent it back to me within 24 hours. And I was like, oh, that was not that hard. And he was like, yeah, no shit. Huh? <laughs> but, and then it's, and then it's figuring out kind of, you know, who else does what you do. Right. And, and what do they charge? And you want to make sure that you're, you know, 
you're you're getting what you're worth, but at the same time, you're also making sure you're taking care of your clients too. Yeah, there, and there's a lot. And that, that is one of the hardest parts is the business side of running the business like kind of goes by the wayside 90% of the time because client servicing is obviously the front and center piece of it. And so that's the focus. And then you kind of like go when you have your downtime and you evaluate on the business side of things, but you realize like that, that business side is constantly taking a backseat unless you like, unless you set up some type of structure where you're like, I got to just do this. And, and I have that now. I mean, it's, it's taken a while. It, it wasn't easy and it's not easy. It's still not easy, but uh, you know, I have some help now, which is great, but it is, it's just a constant. The one thing I will say is that every, every one of them told me is like, be ready to evolve at all times, right? Like don't say stagnant and don't say, don't stay just basic, like, constantly evolve the business and grow it and and uh yeah it's just it's like everything is a moving part but it's but it's what makes it fun well I think fun is the key part right like you wouldn't you know when you first described it as being a personal assistant I guarantee you that some of the people listening would be like well I don't want to be a personal assistant right but then yeah but then at the same time, if you actually truly describe what you're doing and who you're working with and how you're doing it, and you break down the true elements of what you actually do, and if you compared it to something else, it might be actually very similar. Uh, and someone who's listening, who, who's in school might go, well, I want to do that. How do, I, how do I work with someone who does it, right? And how do I learn and, and get into that? So I think it's just opening up new pathways, new, you know, spaces to, to <clears throat> people that understand like, yeah, what you do actually exists. And it is a, it is a, you know, career path of, of, you know, that side of the world and the, and the athlete world, the entrepreneur, the executive, et cetera. And there's a lot that's needed, especially as technology evolves. And as you said, there's more and more that's, you know, being asked of, of all of them. Yeah. Um, one, one thing as you think, you know, as we wrap up, if you were to put yourself back in, in, you know, the shoes of, of kind of uh, the, the fashion uh, advertising world and you thought about sports, right. Uh, and the gaps and, and kind of what you were realizing, what's the one thing that you would want to tell yourself then that you know now? Oh God, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing I would say is like, is truly know, is know your worth, right? Like know your value that you bring to the table because people will, especially in the glamorous industries, which I was fortunate enough, I, I've gotten to be in multiples of them, but you know, it's like the glamorous industries are the ones that will take advantage of you the most because everybody wants to be in them. And, or at least everybody thinks they want to be in them. And, you know, when you're exceptionally better than other people at what you do, you've got to know your worth. And I'm not saying that that's me in particular. It's like, I've talked to guys who are stylists and, um, and they're amazing and they're so good at what they do, but like, they're constantly looking over their shoulder, worried that the next guy is taking their business and all this. So they, they reduce their value, um, because they're like, well, you know, how do I keep this guy? How do I keep this girl? How do I do this? 
it's not about, it's not about money for people, right? It is about kind of what you, what you had said, right? It's about relationships. And when you maintain and you build good relationships and people trust you, everything's going to be fine. Um, and it doesn't matter what you charge because your value has been set and they appreciate that. And they understand that. Whereas I think like when you start to devalue what you do, um, in order to kind of play the game and like be a part of the mix, like there's an acknowledgement of that and they start to question you and, and what you're worth, but it's tough. It is tough in these glamor industries because they're constantly like, I know there's a lot of people who, who say they do what I do that want to do what I do that I see that I meet and I talk to, and I realize like they were the, the version of me six or seven years ago. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, it's not that I look at them and go, oh, they're trying to take my clients. I just look at them and I'm like, okay, they're trying to grow too and trying to figure out where they fit in and what they do. And, and I think it's a great thing. I just think that, you know, it's, it's when you know how good you are at something, like just maintain that. And it doesn't always have to be like a dollar value. It's just like understanding your value to these clients and, and never being like threatened by people. And instead of being threatened, just be like, how can I help you? Um, what are you looking for? What, what is in, you know, and, and be, freaking like be a good person. There's so many people who are like shitty to people in this industry. And it's like, there's no reason. Well, I think the, the bottom line is, is to try and figure out how to be something that they can't live without. Right. And, and if yeah. it's, it's like a product, right. It's entertainment. It's any, it's anything. It's what, you know, can you live without your streaming service? Maybe the answer is no. So you keep subscribing, right? Like it's the yeah. same thing. And, uh, right. you know, if, if you, if they see the value and then they're going to pay, you know, whatever they need to, to make sure that, you know, everything else is, is moving swiftly on their end. Right. And so, um, last thing for you, hardest thing about writing a book. <laughs> That's like an unfair question because when I tell people the story behind my book, they just laugh. Um, but like genuinely about, two weeks before I decided to write a book, like a, a, a woman I knew she'd written a book and she'd published it. And I was like, well, shit, if she can write a book, I can write a book. And so I just like competitively went and wrote a book in a weekend. Um, but again, in a weekend, in a weekend. but again, you got to remember this book was like one of the easiest things for me because I had done speaking engagements on the topic and it was all like just a brain dump of information. Whereas like other people have to go and like research and stuff. I was like, no, just, I'm going to just put what's in my head on paper. The most frustrating part was honestly the editing. Um, my mother is like, God, she's like grammar queen, if you want to call her that. But like she went through it and she's like, oh God, the run on sentences. I was like, okay, this is why I'm having you edit it. Like, can you not be judgmental? Can you just edit it? <laughs> and um, but her criticism and then, but then it was kind of cool. Cause at the end of it, she was like, Oh, well now I know what you do. I never really understood what you did. Um, That's so great. that was fun. So the book for me was honestly like surprisingly was very, very easy, but it was also driven by a very competitive nature of I'm going to get this done at all, at all costs. Interesting. Interesting. See, so the, the book writing process, when you go through the publisher and they tell you, tell you, well, it's going to take five months at least to edit. <laughs> like how many times could I read this in five months? You know, <laughs> like, is it actually going to take that long? Um, it shouldn't. But, 
Well, you know, that's the one thing I learned about is whether it was book one or two, the, the editing process itself always takes longer than majority of the time it takes to even write the thing. So, yeah, um, you know, it's just part of the process, but uh, we just went through, you know, a ton on the process and, and all of that and super fascinating to kind of hear about, um, you know, your part of the world, your part of the industry, uh, what you do, how you got into it. Uh, and, and nonetheless, you know, maybe someone listening uh, wants to get into, into the same part or at least learn a little bit more about it. So Sarah, really appreciate you being on Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.